Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the latest Liverpool Echo Everton podcast. Uh, it's Tuesday morning and we've regrouped after a difficult away day at Old Trafford to basically kind of make sense of the results on Sunday and the, the consequent uh, talking points and fallout. Uh, the various, really. Obviously, the performance and how that bodes uh, against a potential semi-final opponent. And then, you know, there's the captain's interview afterwards when he basically said he didn't know what what the team can do to try and get back onto winning ways after three successive Premier League defeats. And, of course, the uh, comments by Leighton Baines when he discussed what he perceives as a lack of chemistry amongst the players at the moment. Uh, joined by Phil Kirkbride, the Echoes Everton correspondent, and Tony Scott. Tony, what did you make of Jags' comments after the game? And Obviously, to Sky, straight after, in the tunnel after the final whistle, head down, didn't look happy, man, which you wouldn't want him looking happy. But his answer has um, upset a few Evertonians. And rightly so. First of all, a fair play to him for speaking in front of the cameras. He didn't need to after the defeat. He could have just scuttled back in, into the changing rooms and said nothing. But fair play to him. He got up in front of the camera, but it was his demeanour and his... His body language, which spoke volumes for me. The questions were—they weren't tough questions for me. He wasn't—he was just basically. He could have go from me. He could have thrown cliches out. He, couldn't he, he could have. Yeah. He could have. But to be fair, it was a Jeff Reeves who was asking the questions or whoever it was. He, he could have been lot tougher, but they were—they were fair questions. And the one that just grunted me more than anything was, "Where'd you go from here?" That's three defeats on the spin now. Where'd you go from here? And the captain's excuses with the, "I don't know." Now, I, listen. I, the body language on him spoke volumes for me as it is. His head was down throughout all the interview. He didn't look at the interview once. He didn't look at the camera once. His head was down. And to come up with the excuses, I don't know, as a professional club captain, was not good enough for me. And that's only translating to the results on the pitch and the body language on the pitch as well for the players. I think part of me thinks that I don't want to see any player, certainly one as influential as Jags, coming off you know, broadly grinning and doing a slick kind of interview to Sky that suggests he doesn't he doesn't give a flying one about what's just happened but I suppose equally you want him to kind of front up a bit more and I don't know whilst I you know he wouldn't have all the answers especially not on the spot although he's an experienced footballer who as you say it wasn't the hardest of questions maybe you're just being honest I don't know or maybe it's more indicative of something you know who does know and if the captain doesn't know you begin to get concerned Phil what, I've, I've what do you read into I've got a lot of sympathy for, for Jags because you know, not not necessarily everybody will know, but obviously in our position, we we you know we can see who who, who does interviews after games, and and invariably, if Everton have been beaten, Jags gets put up. He's the captain. Look, it's part of his job. But I do have a degree of sympathy with him. And again, you know, he's been put up straight, as you say, Tony, straight after the game, visibly disappointed. He's put straight up in the camera. He's still got his kit on. He's still you know still sweating, whatever. And he's probably just doesn't want to be there. And I can totally understand him kind of having a degree of apathy with that interview. You know, look, I understand that equally that you want him to maybe be a bit front up and be a bit more bold and, and, and give you answers. But sometimes, it, you know, maybe on the flip side, you should say, well, it actually is hurting him. So that's a positive side. So I'm getting at it. You know, he, he's really, really annoyed and really deflated that they're in this rut. But it's not just, you know, it's not just three defeats in the spin and or whatever, they play well, could have missed out. It, you know, you know, take away the West Ham game where they played well for 75 minutes, etc., etc. Arsenal and United performances have been terrible. There's no life about the team at the minute. For some reason, it just seems to have zapped. They're just gone. And I don't. I, 
I hope I hope it's just it's just a, a lull, you know, a, you know, and it's not something that's going to persist for the rest of the season because he can't afford to. But they've been so lifeless these performances. I think he's maybe at a loss to understand why they look like they're lacking confidence, and um, you know, and obviously Leighton has come out and said you know that he, he doesn't think that the chemistry's there at the minute as well. And you could see it, and they looked, they looked, when they went 1-0 behind, apart from when they immediately Jags hit the bar with the header, after that, they looked lost. They looked a team who were just looking for somebody to drag them out of this. And there wasn't anybody there. And there might be a degree of soul-searching this week of Finch Van going into Watford, because, heaven forbid, but if they, if they lose at Watford, I just don't know what that does. You know, you know somebody was, I was on the radio yesterday and talking about and the, and the guy asked me whether you know these games matter now between now and the semi-final. Absolutely, because it's about momentum. And if, if Everton is still in this this lull and still playing this way, heading into April 23rd, they've got a kind hell's chance. Martinez mentioned that in the press conference afterwards a couple of comments that sparked some debate, and he he sort of alluded to Gareth Barry and said that it was clear they missed him against. Uh, Arsenal, but he didn't want to use that excuse on Sunday. But he also sort of brought it up himself, so that implied to me that he kind of did want to use a bit yeah. of it. So, did you see that the, the, the Barry missing was an element of the problem on on Sunday? One of many, or was it more? Was it something else? No, I think it was. I think Ian Barry's loss was influential the way Everton played. It's what massive? We've seen that, haven't we? What I noticed more than anything on on Sunday when I was watching it is that. Obviously, Everton play from the back. Goalkeeper gets it, and if he can't play to a centre half, two centre half split, and normally Gareth Barry comes and gets the ball off the goalkeeper. So what happened then? There was no nobody's job to come and to, to do that. So what was that evidence was that you just lump them long balls to Lukaku to chase down into channels. So if they took that out the game, Everton had nothing. So this is why you've got these two drab performances because there's nobody coming for the ball from the way they play. But what was interesting is that the only player that was coming, he had Ross far too deep for me. He obviously given Ross a message to come and get the ball. But that's one of the most influential players in an attacking sense. You can't play him in as he was on top of Jack Elkett at some stage of the game. Was going, What's the point in that? And then we're researching looking at Aaron Lennon was playing as basically the number ten. Like every I think every Everton fan who was who was speaking on before the match when they seen the team cheat, they thought we're having a bit of this. This is this is really attacking-minded team. You've got loads of width, yeah. and then next minute you just see Ross Barkley playing deep. You see, and Aaron Lennon as a number ten. I was thinking, he was almost number what? nine actually. Wasn't exactly. Actually, I was thinking, what the hell is going nine. on? Aaron Lennon's been yeah. absolutely outstanding for Everton over the past two or three months, playing in that winger's role, forcing the fullback. He was nowhere near that. He was just closer to Ron, which is I don't get it. I really, really did, I didn't he, see that. I think just picking up what you're saying, he, he almost missed the trick for me. I, I know Mohamed Besic had a poor game against Arsenal, really poor game by his exceptional standards, but he wasn't the only one. And again, I'm a big admirer of Tom Cleverley. James McCarthy, traditionally I have been this season, I've, I've began to look at him and think, I'm not seeing what I used to say anymore. What's he bringing to the table? It's, it's worrying. I felt he missed the trick by not starting Besic because I'm not saying he's in the same league as Gareth Barry, but he will take the ball in those difficult positions yeah. and he will maybe drop deep and more naturally suited to doing that than certainly Ross Barkley I agree with you that you missed the trick with Ross Barkley being so far back but you know a lot of people talk about it at the moment and Phil spoke to Leighton Baines afterwards and you know Phil didn't ask Leighton is there a lack of chemistry that was something that, that Leighton offered up himself that was something that unlike the skipper he had a bit more time to think mm -hmm. about it 
he's an intelligent guy, he does, he's a deep thinker, and he offered that up a few times in the interview. He's just not sure that the chemistry is there at the moment, and that's something that really worries me, because you almost wonder, is this a team that, and I say peaked in a very loose system of mm. terms, because they haven't peaked in actual fact, they haven't won or achieved anything, bar getting fifth in the first season, and if some buts, yeah, most of the years would have got your top four, but it didn't, so what? It feels for me at the moment like a team that's in in need of a real injection of new new blood. Well, certainly that's the way they're playing. Like they've run out of ideas. New blood. Now Greg. is that coming on the pitch or is that ideas coming from the dugout? New, new blood is that he's has a hundred million to spend here, by the way. So if you're talking new blood, he's bought all these players. Yeah, do see your point. He's run, run out of ideas as a team, but when they're relying on a 35-year-old Gareth Barry after spending all this money, then surely there's a problem with his recruitment. If he's buying all these players and he doesn't know where to play them, you're going to be. He's got questions have got to be asked for the manager. You're looking at yourself and you're going, "Is that the best you've got of playing Ross Barkley in a holding midfield position after a 35-year-old player being missing for two games? Is that the best you've got?" Well, whether or not he's bought Besic in the long term to be a potential Gareth Barry replacement, the results are about what, now, Greg. Really, aren't no, you no, can't no, no. But that's what I mean. That's yeah. why I'm annoyed that Besic was kicking his heels on Sunday. Yeah, because if he thinks cleverly he's going to do it, that's not his game. Mm. Different type of yeah. defensive no, field. Different, yeah, I don't think cleverly's defensively minded in as much as Gareth is. As you know, Gareth just happy to sit there, move, shuttle around that across that period of the pitch, pick up loose balls, win. Look, as I say, I'm in admire Tom cleverly, but I think he's. I, th- I think maybe the trouble with Tom's career is nobody has been able to nail down his position. He's almost like he's not a. a, a, a Attack minded or good enough in attack to play as one of the front three necessarily, unless he's playing a defensive kind of role in that three. Is he good enough to hold? Definitely not a left winger. No. And is he good enough to hold in, in the big games like Gareth Barry is? Probably not. You know, and also with Gareth, he's left footed and he gives balance. I know it yeah. seems a very obvious thing to say, but he does. And I'm going back to what you were saying about we, we missed him on Sunday because when we went 1 0 down, we hit the bar and then heads dropped further. There was nobody to keep hold of the ball, keep possession, make the right passes, make the right forward passes when we needed to. They looked like lost souls and it was really dispiriting to see such a talented team who throughout the season have been have been able to get their way back into games. Not always win, you know, look, we know all that and we know that they've they've, yeah. they've got back in and then thrown away leads, etc. But to see them lacking so much kind of just, just, just energy and almost kind of, and it goes with the last five minutes, and then they suddenly went, "Hang on a minute, we, we could get behind these fullbacks. These fullbacks aren't very good. Why did you do that?" Yeah. That's what annoyed me more than anything. You know, was that the last ten minutes of that Manchester United game? They didn't pressurise Man United. Everton were just happy passing, passing, passing. Now one player, and I was annoyed, and I said it at the time when we sold him was Stephen Naismith. Right, Everton sold him, yeah, £8 million pounds all well and good in the bank, but he looks as if they bought it on a player that doesn't even look like a football at the moment. So when they sold Stephen Naismith, one player who would have been leaving his foot in, chasing down lost causes, pressurising defenders in the referee's face, regardless if you're getting to be 4-0 or 1-0, Stephen Naismith would have been absolutely ideal to play on, on, on Sunday. Well, I'm just going to pick up on that because you, I agree. I, I don't necessarily agree that selling him was a bad idea. Certainly, at the but moment, I do, it looks Greg, like when you, when you, eight million. What's that? Well, certainly, it looks like investing it in in Nias if that's how the money's trickled down. At the moment, it looks like an abominable idea. But yeah. 
it's too early. It's still too early. What I would say, though, is I agree with you in terms of recruitment because, for me, Roberto's brought in a lot of talented players and he, and he says that he puts a lot of you know emphasis on the character of the players and their personality. But what, for me, he hasn't put enough emphasis on is their leadership and battling qualities because Naismith was a Moyes signing, obviously. But you look throughout that team, James McCart... I'm not, I'm not casting any aspersions on their quality of character. They're all terrific professionals... They're all players who, I'm not saying that they're shrinking violence or they wilt under pressure. What they don't do is they don't lead. James McCarthy is a young man, but isn't that a natural kind of leader? Tom Cleverley is the sort of player that you want in a team when everything else is going well around him, and he'll work perfectly. Martinez has talked about in the past of being this mm. kind of European-style player. He could play in Holland and Spain, but he's not a leader. Gareth Barry is, and has been missing, and is like pretty, pretty rare in that yeah. squad for me. Baines can be, but he's a naturally quiet lad. Jagielka, we've all spoken about him. He's a brilliant sort of leader in many ways. By example, he's not a kind of put a marker down mm, leader, yeah. and he's the club captain. Yeah. You look throughout the team, and there's so many instances of people who can't grab a game you know, by the scruff of their neck. I'm not suggesting we go and buy players like Jedanaka, you know, Palace, yeah. and players who are just there, like yard dogs. largely yeah, yard dogs, yeah. but lead by example. There's got to be more of an emphasis for me on players who can. Like Bain said, they're all looking at each other. Who's going to make this happen? Who's going to spark it? It's interesting you say that when you're thinking about Everton, like sometimes it's leaving your foot in or having an arc, or there's no vocal, there's not a vocal player on the pitch. Is that interesting? I think Everton are top of the fair play league this season, aren't they? As in, um, committed the least amount of fouls, which tells you they're too soft. They're not leaving the foot in, they're not in the referee's face, they're not doing. So that tells you the type of characters that Roberto's after. He's not after these types of players, he's after just nice. Footballers, you want to pass, 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 and get you the perfect goal. Well, I'm sorry, it doesn't work in the Premier League, as far as I'm concerned. Leicester, curiously to that, Leicester have probably got one of the worst um, disciplinary records. They've got one of the worst possession-based records and one of the worst pass completion records. Yet the top of the league, clear by seven points. So that tells you everything that you need to know about the difference between Everton and Leicester. Is that Everton are far too soft and Leicester aren't? I think there's a happy medium in between, actually. I know what you mean, mm. and that's certainly something that's working to Leicester's favour this season. Will it still work for the next season? Will they try and carry on playing that way as people get wise to what they want to do? I'm not sure. But that, people, that people got evolved, wise. doesn't it? Greg? Well, it did, and it evolved for Martinez very quickly after 2013 14. Mm. And my fear is he hasn't kept up with that. People figured that Evan had an exceptional season. Yeah. And all credit to him for helping a team that weren't used to playing like that evolve very quickly and learn to play like that. Full credit to him. What he didn't do, from for my concern, is he didn't realise the teams towards the end of that season, certainly the next season, had figured out a bit how to stop Everton playing like that. And for me, there's still no, I've heard it a million times, plan B. I just wonder, and it's very easy again to say, and you know, they're only second, but do you look do you look at the way Spurs have, have set up this season and go, you know what? That that for me strikes a happy medium because Definitely. They play good football. Definitely. But they also they're, they're so organised. Resilient family. Yeah, look, it's easy just to say it now and because they're having a good season. But you, you would look at White Hart Lane and, and, and look at that team that Spurs have and the way they play and think if if Everton could just move a little bit towards that, keep what they're good at mm. under Martinez. Just but just move a little bit towards that. I just think I what, think I think then you've cracked it, but what, I just yeah. I'm not convinced that that's going to happen. What really frustrated me again on Sunday, among many things, was we started out mm. and James. I said to Phil, yeah. James McCarthy 
was pressing United really high up the pitch and aggressively, and they didn't like it. Mm, and yeah, Evan started all right. Yeah. For some reason, Stop. he stopped doing that. Maybe Aaron Lennon had a bit of a go. But across the team, I think one of you, one of you two was saying it. The second half, we were bringing them on. We were sitting back, yeah. almost inviting United on. For me, it's a, a man has said before that you know he's got you know conflicted feelings about a high, a high and hard mm. press. And I understand when it's against teams that might just pick you off if not everyone does it. United aren't that good. No. What happened to that pressing game? And as you say, Phil, Tottenham is a very good example. I'm not saying you should just try and copy anyone who's in vogue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But clearly our style of play isn't in vogue. No, but interesting that you say that because um, Michael Ball in his column today has said, you know, about the back four too deep. He said they're 10 or 15 yards too deep. He said they're not giving the midfielders the encouragement of the sort of... Um, kind of belief that they can go and press hard and there not be an absolute chasm behind them. So maybe, I don't know, we'd have to watch it back and I'm sure you know the, the players and the manager will have done, but after that first 15 minutes when James, he was pressing and it was good, he was rattling United and the crowd were restless and we were winning the ball back. I wonder whether we did just drop deep. That's where you want Graham Jones, who's off his feet every two minutes, old manager, to be saying to him, you need to press out of the pitch, you need to move as a line. Mm. If the captain's not, if, if it's not something they've worked on in the week, and they're dropping too deep. For yeah. me, that's surely that's got to be resolved either at half-time or during the game, as is the case yeah. more often than not these a, days. A different point I'm going to touch on is that the manager's coming for huge criticism lately, especially of all, all fans. They've all, obviously, they're all questioning him at the moment. The majority of fans who I'm speaking to are all questioning him, and, and rightly so, in my opinion. I think the results are there for all to see. He was brought, he was brought in on the basis of winning the FA Cup. That's the sole reason why he got the job right. Everton, you could hang your hat on Everton finishing top six, top seven before Roberto Martinez got there. More often than not, they were top six, top seven. So Everton fans didn't want that anymore. They wanted a trophy to show for the show for what they were. So they were interested in the league. They won a trophy for them. Now, a different slant on it is that if Roberto Martinez has ditched the league form to get them that FA Cup which they've craved, then. There's a case of, well, I've told you that you didn't want his league form, you just want a trophy, and I've done that for you. Can you see where I'm coming from here? I can, exactly, I can. But the problem is for Martinez, he raised expectations so high. And actually, at his opening press conference, he came in and Ken Wright mischievously, rightly or wrongly, said, He told me we're going to be in the top four. Now, if he'd have said, He told me he's going to bring a trophy back to Goodison Park, mm. which you no doubt he would have delivered in his yeah. usual dra- dramatic style, then. You would have understood the evolution of this team aimed towards silverware. But actually, from day one, it was, we're going to get in the top four. And they nearly did it in that first season, which would have been a sensational achievement. Mm-hmm. They didn't. And they haven't looked like getting anywhere near there since. So, it comes back to that dynamic, doesn't it, so that we've all spoken about at one point or another. What defines a successful season, if they haven't mm-hmm. won the FA Cup, has been a successful season. It's been, that is a successful moment, hugely so. Historically significant moment. But no, it still hasn't made a successful season because of the, the largely the tripe, especially at home, the fans have been served up. Well, I, I would actually disagree because I would say if we win the FA Cup and by default qualify for Europe, I actually think we've had a successful season. But with, but with the caveat, the league form has, has been regressive. So I actually think it's a success. I would turn that loose as a successful yeah. season. Because they've brought Silverware back after 21 yeah. years and they're back in Europe. They just haven't done it. They haven't qualified for Europe how they should have done, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I suppose I'm being sort of turning it on a semantic point. Is I think it's a, a hugely successful moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. 
a season for me is from you know, yeah, the first game to the last. Planning, and in that yeah. sense, it's already been a failure. Well, that's what he's been brought in for, Greg, hasn't he? He hasn't been brought in to obviously... He obviously, sounds cheaper, but he's to try and get your top four, if possible. But he got the Everton job on the basis of winning a trophy. That's all, because he relegated Wigan the season yeah. that season. He got that Everton I'm job sure on the basis of lifting a trophy. Solely on the base on the remit that you come in and win a trophy. No, because if you if you listen to what he says, ironically, if, if they won the FA Cup, Martinez actually probably wouldn't. He would think it was a success, but he wouldn't count. He would actually want to side with you, Greg, and say it hasn't been a successful season because he keeps. He's, he's, he's talked about it a few times where he's saying long term. The ambition isn't to win cups; it's to be a Champions League team. Yeah. So for him, he would actually probably term it not failure, but a substandard season because they finished way off the pace. Well, the can league. you see why fans? I'm not saying Twitter or Facebook's a general consensus of the, the Everton fan, but can you see why fans would say, "I don't want to win the FA Cup because it looks as though it'll keep Roberto Martinez in a job for another season, and we're going to be getting turned out this football again." Next season, can so you see I, where fans are sort of coming from? Because they're going to be promised this football next season on the basis that they win the FA Cup. So I can understand. I sort of can understand part of the sentiment. I could never agree that they wouldn't want to win a trophy yeah. for a club that hasn't won one in almost twenty-one yeah, years. Regardless who's in charge, yeah, you want I, to win. I think that's. And I think deep down, the fans who are saying that, if they're not having a, you know, if God willing, still too much of it, but if they're not having a pint and clicking the heels in May when we win it. Don't get me wrong, then, Greg. Then, fair enough. Mm. I understand the logic to, to a point. Mm. I know what they're saying. And listen, I don't want to be watching that football at Goodison Park next Nobody season Nobody does, either. do they? Does the landscape change, though? And I, I, you know, it's nothing to do with the evolution necessarily of the team, but with, with, with machinery coming in, does that landscape change, though? Because, you know, he wins the FA Cup and, you know, he's, he's securing his position but he's securing position with money now. Does that not change it though? Does well, that not? Because I think maybe he, it does. I think, I think maybe he just goes and signs more of the types of players. My concern is that he's already right, done okay. slightly okay. more expensive ones. Yeah, because I mean, Roberto believes that that by getting more money, he can accelerate the process. So I don't. I don't yeah, know. he's more. He can sign sure things rather than the past. Well, that's the thing. I think. I think. I think Everton's transfer policy, so to speak, would change, and they wouldn't be looking at your. 35 year old free transfers or nominal fees in Gareth Barry, they'd be looking at 28, 29, proven I can spend money on him because yeah. I know he'll produce for the next two seasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Greg, as the question was asked to Phil Jagielka, what next for Everton? Easy feats on the spin. Obviously, they've got a tricky tie. Watford's on the weekend. Seriously, where did he go from here now? And I can, when, when I've just asked you that question, I can see why Jagger's like, he was caught on the ways and said, I don't know, because I don't know, as a fan, what the hell is going on. It seems to me, this is just my opinion, there's some kind of split in the in the Everton camp, only from what Leighton Baines is coming across and, and what he's trying to say is that there's no chemistry in the team. And that, that just, in my opinion, smacks to me as if there's no team spirit there. Yeah. And I think the results back that up in what I'm trying to say. If there was some kind of team spirit there, then you'd be getting better results. You'd be fighting till the 90th minute. They're not doing that. So that backs my arguments up. I just think, for, when I'm looking at Everton right now, I'm thinking, what the hell is going on? Where did he go from here? Where did he get in the next win from? And I can't wait for the season to end. I think it was interesting trying to interpret one element again of what Martin said after the game at Old Trafford. He said that 
if anything, he felt that the, what annoyed him about the, the player's reaction was that it lacked know-how, which a phrase he uses a lot. Um, so, for me, I, this is me interpreting it, and I've got to say this is not Roberto's... I, I can't get inside his head and know yeah, what yeah, he meant. Yeah, of course. I wonder if he meant, knowing him and, and mm. having you know, reports on his press yeah. conference a long time, whether he actually meant he didn't want to see press, 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 ball slung into the box... You know, a really kind of dynamic last 20 minutes. He actually wanted to see more considered build-up and more measured passing in order to eke out that one that perfect one opportunity. Chance, yeah. And that, for me, is very, very worrying because that suggests someone who will never, ever deviate from this principle and this philosophy of possession football is the only way to win football matches. Then we get little glimpses now and again of quite the contrary to that when they come out 4-3-3 and they press and they play on the counter-attack and he's never really reconciled that for me because when he's asked about it by like to Phil so on and so forth he's very keen to sort of skirt around he never wants to admit that we play on the counter and that we press and we've got two different ways of playing and that's, that's the worry for me I think the interesting thing is that obviously what he says is his philosophy is waiting and picking out that perfect pass it doesn't matter if it's in the first minute or the 95th minute correct yeah and the interesting thing is Greg is that on Sunday Everton's only shot on target I think it was from was it Jagielka yeah 83rd minute come from a set piece if I'm right so it goes against the grain of everything that he stands for so if he would if he doesn't believe in the set pieces as he does he would have created nothing at all and my concern is alright if you were missing key men plural yeah. Then I'd understand a bit more the last couple of games, but you've only taken Gareth Barry out of that yeah. team. Yeah. Otherwise, you've got a full strength. Man United's team. got an injury list as long as my army. So, my, so my my fear is that there is something wrong in, in that dressing room. There is something wrong in it. I don't know whether or not it's an issue with that they're questioning increasingly the the methods of the manager. I don't know that. Mm. But reading between the lines, you do wonder. Obviously, you do wonder. I don't think for a second that he's that there's a, a revolt. And some people will say, well, there's a dressing room revolt, he's lost the dressing room. I don't think it's quite as clear-cut as that. I don't think that's the case, but I do believe there are major issues in there. And it seems to me that when Jagielka says, I don't know where you go next, and then you get Martinez coming out after the game and saying he doesn't agree that performance levels have been below par, apart from Arsenal, that concerns me even more. And I wonder if players increasingly listen to these press conferences and think, what? We have been below par because yeah. Leighton Baines is the first old hand up and said we've been awful. Well, interestingly, saying Leighton Baines, we've seen at Chelsea this season, Phil. Leighton Baines come out with an expression that he says we lack game management. And Roberto Martinez says two minutes or three minutes before, you'll know better than I do, we don't lack it. So, and then we never see, this is just my opinion, we never seen Leighton Baines then for about six or seven weeks in the team. You've got two different types of, of public speakers there. You've got a politician who uses his words in a very considered measure, very very deflective sometimes, what he, you know, in his own manner, very shrewd, how he picks his words and ducks themes and mm. tries to turn them on his head. And you've got a very blunt, honest speaker. Yeah, I don't have to tell so you who I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, Martinez the politician, Baines is the honest speaker. Yeah. What Martinez, and I've written this until my fingers are sore, yeah. it's never going to change. He needs to realise that the supporters... Are all of, of mostly of a like yeah. of like Leighton Baines. Leighton. They're the same sort of people. They come from the same background, and they like honest, upfront people who are open up and say it like it is. This is why Jurgen Klopp gets really good street cred from the Liverpool fans by the taking because he's so honest. If the team says they're awful, 
he'll say they were awful, we need to buckle up. I think it's kind of alienating the fans, the, the feds up of excuses no more. They'd rather see Roberto Martinez come and say, do you know what? He wasn't good enough today. Well, he did have Arsenal. He did, and it was refreshing to see. Even though some of the fans didn't like it, what they heard, it was still refreshing to see. He wasn't good enough. End of story. And this is why fans are sliding towards Leighton Baines here. Because to me, it looks as if you're picking one side or the other now. You're going to pick Leighton. What's yeah. interesting for me is that where does Leighton go from here? Well, you see, I is don't think... Is he going to be back on the team or what? I don't think for a second Leighton Baines is meaning to try and... He's just being honest. He mm. is not the type to try and split. Yeah. Certainly not. He's a very loyal player. He's a professional. He's not trying to do have this interview film and try and divide the fan base or cast aspersion on the manager. For a second, I don't believe yeah, that's yeah. his intent. But increasingly, it's becoming polarised because you've got such a different type of message coming from the, the manager. Now, no one's saying that they should reconcile the notes and speak from the same hymn sheet. But what I'm saying is fans empathise more with that honesty of a, of a scouser saying it like it is than they do with a politician. But Ben's, you know... Doesn't interview, don't interview him every week, but he knows when he comes out, and he knows, he knows when he's speaking to you and speaking to us particularly that the supporters are going to read it, and he knows that he can't skirt around the subject and can't kind of paint over the cracks because you know because you know he referenced that the fans were there and the fans have been there and, and that the team have let them down. There's no there's no hiding from that, and I think you know he just I think he was just being very honest. But the thing is that the big thing that I got from what he said. He talked about a lack of chemistry and he doesn't know where it's at the moment and he doesn't know why it's gone. It, I don't know, it's alarming. I just wonder whether if we go, if we trace the steps back and we go back to West Ham in the final 12 minutes, I just wonder if it just shattered the confidence. And if you look back, they didn't play Chelsea in the cup and it was nip and tuck for 75 minutes. There was nothing in the game. It was tight. It was a bit edgy. And then Rom just 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 goes and does it, doesn't he? He just, he just completely turns it on its head. And then we went into Arsenal, and it was terrible. And we got into United, it's terrible. And Baines, he's saying, we're relying on individuals. And I just wonder whether, just looking back, West Ham has just knocked the stuffing out of them. And whether they need to just go, look, right, we've just got to wipe the slate clean and start again, because, as I said at the start... Did he look like wiping that slate clean? No, well, they're going to have to. Gonna have to. That's, that's what getting back to what you said about Watford. They're going to have to. They're just going to have to. They just have to go... But this is what I'm, say- I'm saying... I can't for one for one second believe that the manager would, would not be trying to fill them with confidence. That's what he's like. He's, he's that type of manager. He's a, that type of man of management. But they've got to go out to Watford on Saturday afternoon and they've just got to go full tilt. As I said in my piece on Sunday after the game, nobody's wanting to be reckless. We're not asking them to be kamikaze footballers. But have a go. because yeah. There's nothing to lose in a sense. Yeah, and you know, A lot to gain and, by getting the mental. Roberto would say attack is the best form of defence. Well, if we've got concerns at the back, which we have, let's get the ball and let's attack. Let's get the ball in their half and let's attack them. So what, I, I, what, I think what's concerning for me, Phil, is that we've always said, it's, it doesn't matter the way you play, it's about getting results. And the results are there this season for all to see. We've won, I think since October, we've won five games. Five, six, games. six games. Six games. And five of them were against the three worst teams in the league currently. Yeah. That just speaks volumes for me. That's not that's awesome. a reason, that's results. That, that's not even performances. That's results, and that's your bread and butter. So Everton fans have now got three or four games before they obviously play the semi-final. What? It'd be interesting to see their take on how they think the the team is going to be playing from now. Because for me, I don't see no change. And if I was an Everton player, and we played the same way this season, 
and the manager coming to me, Roberto Martinez coming to me, said, "Listen, no change. We're playing this way, and that's, that's it. The game Your head's going to be down again. Your head's going to be down again." This is just my opinion on it. Now, for man- the manager come and say, "Listen, boys, hold me hands up. It hasn't worked this season. We're going to rip it up, and we're going to start and have a big team meeting. How do you think it's going to go? How do you think it's going to go? And it'll be refreshing. It'll give everyone a revamp." And Tell you exactly how it is. Things get off your chest. I think that'll be refreshing to see, but I can't see it. I agree. Under this manager, I'd, I'd love, I'd love that to happen behind closed doors. But I can't see it. They can all have the say. They can all throw in their what their thoughts. And let's say players like Baines and Jagielka have been around long enough. They're entitled to their opinion. This might happen in team meetings every week. By the way, mm. I don't know. But I would like that to be. The, I'd really like that. And maybe I'm not saying a manager manages by committee because ultimately he's getting paid to call the shots. Yeah. But. They have a sit down, everything off the chests, nothing, everything stays in this room, and go for it. And, and maybe they do come up with together a revamped way of playing for the, the last sort of, or the next three league games. Well, it goes back to the conversation we had. I don't know if, if, if we put it on the podcast or not, but I look at the best performances this season: second half against Spurs at home, City at home, uh, Chelsea at home, um, and maybe one or two. Then you go back last season, you have Wolfsburgs and that, you know. And a lot of the time they've, they've gone four three three. I just think it suits them because it gives it gives the front three the license just to go right. We are going to get at these lot. You've got protection of three, you know, relatively mobile, quick midfield. You know, Barry just being the linchpin, just sitting there. You'll have a Cleverly or a McCarthy or a Bessage in and around them, high press, high intensity. Just go at them because you know what? I'd rather see. I'd rather see his go to play Watford, Palace, and Southampton. Forget Liverpool because I think that's just a complete specific. One off. Yeah. Let's ignore yeah. that. I'd rather is go and attack Watford, Palace, Southampton. Go at them and come away going, all right. Yeah, say we got beat. But yeah. You know what? We had a proper so goal, and that's what fans want to see, Phil. They don't want to see the team after 85 minutes getting beat one nil with the two centre halves passing to each other. They don't want to see it. They've seen it all season long, and it's bored the kecks off them. They're not interested in that. They're not interested in the Roberto Martinez soundbites. They're interested in how they play football. They want to just see the team have a go, and they're not having a go. And it seems to me they're not having a go for the manager. And it looks to me as if for the FA Cup displays this season, the players are playing for themselves. They're not playing for the manager because that comes down to the league position. I think that's why that's why it's been chalk and cheese for me in the league and cup. They want them cup competitions for them, and it seems to me. Looking at it and the body language again, and I've seen the formation on Sunday with about 25 minutes ago. I was looking at it. You've seen Lennon playing as a number 10. You've seen Delafay who was shaking his head when he was coming off. You've seen Ross Parkley playing deep. Morales was right, he was left. And I was looking at it 20 minutes ago and I didn't know where they were playing. I didn't know any formation. There was no strategy to it. There was no player in the natural position. I went, what is going on here? With 20 minutes ago, you're playing one of the poorest Man United teams I've ever seen in my life. Everyone's given them, everyone's given them again, and I just didn't see it from Everton at all. What I'd want to see is then the next three games again, forgetting Derby because you'll have to make changes. I want to see him go right. Suspensions and injuries permit. I think everybody will be back, won't they, for Saturday? I want him to go right. Right, Watford. This is this is the team I think I'll play in the semi-final. Play. Select it again. Crystal Palace. Select it again, Southampton. And then you've got if you if you're thinking, if you're thinking about playing De La Feu at Wembley, because. You know, he thinks he can make stuff happen and get at full-backs. De La Feu can't come in and out the team. We've seen that. He's got to play and build momentum. Yeah. I, that's what I want him to do now. Pick the team, stick with it for three games. Derby aside, right, you're firing. You, you know, you've got momentum. You, you know, you might not have won every game, 
but you've shown what you're going to do. Right, bam, let's go for it. I'm just going to throw a curveball in there, Phil. I, me, in my opinion, I don't think Roberto Martinez knows his best team. Now, he's got, for the, for the first time I can remember, this weekend, no injuries that I can think of. No, he's got the perfect squad that he's bought the majority of these players. There's only one or two in that, in that squad now that he hasn't bought. All these players are mostly his. He's got no injuries, no suspensions. This should be his best team. So it's going to be interesting the weekend when you're going to see his team yeah. sheet. And I've got to say, that's your best team that you can offer. Because basically it is, he's got no excuse. No excuses no more, no injuries, no suspensions. That's your best team. So it's going to be really intriguing when that team sheet drops. I'll just touch on something again before we wrap up which has interested me, irritates me to a degree. I completely understand all the frustration, anger even, and, and real grave concern about the situation with the manager and how the team are playing. One thing is, for me, I never understand this contrary sort of quirk in football fans. If there is an issue with some of the players being a bit off the boil and lacking chemistry, it hasn't been helped by Romelu Lukaku going international duty and talking out of school the way he did. Now, the away end was singing his name on Sunday. He's gone and undermined that team. Now, he's not the first to do it, and he probably won't be the last. But for me, where's the, where's the criticism of Lukaku? Where's the anger at Lukaku? This is a player Everton you know, spent £28 million pounds on, got behind, almost revived his career. I'm not saying he wouldn't have been revived if he'd gone elsewhere. It's just a, it's a strange thing. He hasn't helped him by doing that at all. Players like Dale Feu, Barkley might be thinking, well, if, if he obviously wants off, the timing of his comments, everything he said, I'm just amazed. And I'm not I'm not saying I want people to slam him. It, I just, it's just amazing. But we're speaking me. about how refreshing Baines is being honest, Greg. No, no, sorry, there's different things. There's being honest and then there's being really disrespectful to your current Was he club. being that disrespectful by saying I want to play in the Champions League? Why, why I want to play in the Champions League? Why say it? Because I'm not being it's funny. Asian, I'll every, I'll be, everyone out there. Yeah. I'd be, the be more worried if he says, no, I'm happy playing for the mid-table team. I don't want to play in the Champions League. Greg, he's got no ambition. Comments. He wants to play in the Champions League. So you think he was right to say what he said? Maybe the timing of it. Maybe he should have said it in the summer. Yeah. Yeah, in my opinion. Yeah. But I think he's got a right to say it. If you've got but ambition not, as a footballer, Greg. Not, not with a semi-final on the horizon. And I don't know how many league games are, you know, left, but not many. Well, he wants to play in the Champions League. I think it's disastrous timing. I, I, think he's I agree on the timing. But I think about it. John Stone's got off scot-free, didn't he? He threw a transfer question. At least one of the Yeah, remarkable. So there's no difference, really, is there? Yeah. Really, compared to John Stone through a transfer question, and he didn't get any kind of backlash, really. Well, you got a little, a little. Do you think? And I think a part and parcel of it is because of the predicaments Everton are in. I think because Everton are in the bottom half, I think the fans are sort of resorting to. We, we know quite well we're going to lose this lads, and I think if Everton were fighting for a top four space, they'd probably be. They'd have more anger. You think, hang on, we're going places here. Yeah. I think it's got solely to do with the, the position Everton in at the moment. I think but, that's the reason. But, I think you've hit the nail. But yeah. chemistry again. I'm, I'm just, just a, you know, yeah. just saying it. If you agree, chemistry can often come from like how players buy into something and how committed. You haven't heard Mares or Vardy talking about getting away and someone wanting to play at high level. I mean. They'll, They'll be playing the Champions League to so move point. Yeah. You haven't heard them talk about wanting to go Because maybe he can buy into what the manager's trying to do. Maybe, and obviously... Maybe maybe so, but Lukaku has got a lot to thank Martinez for, ironically. Yeah I, 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 yeah, I agree. I totally agree with you. But when the players think that of the manager, they're just thinking... And Lukaku's not going to be the first or the last, is he really? They're all, they're all in for themselves. They all want the big moves. They all want to play for the best team. So, But I can totally understand... It, it doesn't help the chemistry. Is it the main problem here? Absolutely not. You know, Lukaku for me, it was disastrous timing. Should keep his mouth shut. 
it's not the biggest issue at Goodison at the moment. I'm not saying it is. The thing is, and being sort of cynical and, and maybe being realistic about it, venting anger between now and the end of the season about Lukaku on the pitch and at, and at games isn't going to do anybody any good. And let's be frank, we need Lukaku firing for the oh, FA Cup. And without him, we'd be probably but in the relegation so, zone. But what did he do on Sunday? To be fair, Greg, I'm not, I'm not having that. I'm not having I that. Thought he was just isolated. He was, he was. There was times that I was looking at it. it was, we're in a player within twenty yards of him because Ross was so deep, and Lennon was just like a fish out of water. He was just chasing shadows. If you think, we, if you look at the start of where Man United's goal come from, it come from yeah. Lennon was just chasing about four defenders round, and a gap and must have been about 30, 40 yards from them two to the defensive three. Of cleverly Barkley and McCarthy, there was a ginormous gap, so that just pressed my new further forward, and that's how they scored. I think that's fair enough. I agree on that, and it brings us round again to a quick point on recruitment. We've spoken about our issues with the players Martinez has brought in. Everton had a lot of success before Christmas, playing like a not really four-four-two in any way, but two up front with like mm-hmm. a false. Yeah. And it was Kone. Now, for whatever reason, and I think we all know the reason, that he looks like he's finished. Yeah. Martinez has lost faith in playing Kone off Lukaku. In January, he's brought in Umar Nias. He's clearly not fit for purpose. What has gone on with that transfer? I, 13 and a half million quid. He turns around last week, the manager, and says he's only 50 to 60% ready. He talks about a wrist procedure he had. I'm sorry, that's got no, that can have no bearing on why he's only 50. At worst, half fit. Really concerning. If that was your chief scout, he's gone out and watched him a couple of times. He's coming back saying he's ready to come in in January, hit the ground running and make a difference. Yeah. What's gone wrong there? This was my argument why they sold Stephen H. Me. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. As a character and someone who will deliver that chemistry bonding between the players, I think Stephen H. Me's transfer stinks. I think there was just no need for it for the sake of eight million quid. And it looks as though that eight million quid's gone on the ass. New to me, I hate to judge players early on, I really do. He's only played half an hour, yeah, yeah, I've got to keep half an hour. Yeah, 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 he's played yeah. half an hour. But the way you can go and watch any football up and down the country, you can go and watch a Sunday league game this Sunday morning, and you can watch half an hour of it, and you can tell who's a footballer and who's not. Who's got a touch, he's been there, he's added him. This lad doesn't look, remotely look like a footballer to me. He looks lost, he was given up, and I was thinking, what... It, do you remember that transfer when doing George Way's brother come on? And if he did no, it just smacks to me, is it? What the hell is he doing on the pitch? No, I'd love the lad to come on and prove me wrong and bang ten in from now to the end of the season. But at least he, he looks totally lost as if he doesn't look like a footballer at all. I agree with you. If he is only half fit, maybe that maybe that's a, a lot of a reason why. But my concern is, how is he only half fit? We signed him in January, didn't we? That's what I mean. And we're now in April. So Mass- what the hell's going on for three months? It, it was a big sign. Everton needed to sign someone yeah. in January. Absolutely, they need some an attacker. So they've lumped on him. Now I, you're asking big questions in the scouting department yeah. on the basis of some, what we've seen so far. Massive questions, and then going forward, massive questions on how his transfer has been managed since. Why is he only half fit? Yeah, why is he? Well, you know, Kone's uh, he's on the bench, but he may as well not be because he's not getting a look in. I would actually rather have seen Coney come on on Sunday. Well, what's interesting as well, you, you, you look as if you've got either that Darren Gibsons and your Stephen Pienaars that are not even getting in the squad now. So we've just been them completely. So why didn't he just give them a loan in, in January? I, I think they might be injured, actually. Them too? Yeah, I think so. Surprise, surprise. Gibson will be injured. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I mean, looking back at just quickly on recruitment, I mean, when we look back at the last three, two windows, three windows, whatever it's been, since Roberto came, He's ironically the best signing he's ever made at Everton, Barry. Yeah, yeah. I'd say it is. 
You know, certainly the most influential sign. Most made. influential. And no coincidence that when he's not in the team. But that's what I mean. You can't rely on a 35-year-old who's basically a free well, that's transfer. What, that's area, what I'm saying. It? I mean, we've now got asked the questions where he's out, of, he's out of contract at the end of next summer. Will he continue playing? We don't know. But in 12 months' time, will Mo be able to fill in the gap if Barry decides to retire? That's what we've got to ask ourselves. The most come on a lot. But are we going to be confident enough that he's going to be able to fill the gap sufficiently? Or does, or does the manager have to go and buy somebody else? This is where, this is where I've heard it mooted at some point that Everton needs something new. And there was a suggestion that maybe a sporting director. Now, obviously, um, that's something that Roberto Martinez uh, in the past has vehemently not wanted to work under. But you've got to start. That January window was a massive window. Mm. And it's getting back to the ass again. Someone overarching at a club can say, well, hang on a second, he's they've not, got to make a decision. Lucky, yeah. Now, Martinez is brilliant at unearthing young, talented players who can, who can play football. Really good at that. Lukaku, he convinced... It wasn't so much identifying Lukaku. Everyone knew from the yeah. age of 15 or younger. I think he, he was, was David, David Moyes tried to sign him at Anderlecht, didn't he? Yeah. 16 and Chelsea were already yeah. ahead of him in the queue. But he persuaded Lukaku to come and join and persuaded the chairman you know, to spend a record fee on him, so on and so forth. But again, it asks questions of his... Apart from Barry, as Phil rightly just said, it's been a tremendous signing. It's questions about... Well, if he can't replace him, if he gets to the summer and he can't replace him, then obviously that tells you that he's got to change the way he's playing. Because well, well, he, he can't have the whole midfield. He's going to have to change the whole philosophy, the way he thinks well, Everton should be playing. I, if he can't I, replace I, him. I asked him about this. Barry had played... Early in the season, I think it was October time. Yeah. And Barry had reached some milestone, I think. And I said, you know, I asked him about whether how long he'd keep playing. And I said, you know, have you thought about the day that he won't play? And Martinez did say quite openly, we'll have to change, completely change the way we play. I didn't see that on Sunday, did we? And we haven't seen it against Arsenal. Yeah. So that maybe Which begs, is quite damning, maybe, be, maybe begs the question that he will have to buy players to replace because he maybe doesn't feel confident enough that he's got. The, the sufficient quality to, to live without Barry. That's going to be interesting, but, isn't it? These and a positive note, he's playing on Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I know, it, it is a positive and it will, as you say, be fascinating because the team he sends out is going to send out a message as well. That's his best team. All support. That's, That's his best team. you what, actually, interestingly, and not, not trying to force a positive, but trying to look a bit more positively about Saturday. Stones will probably play because I thought Stones had a decent game on Sunday. He's probably our best player. Yeah. You've got Stones who will bring the ball out. You've got Gareth Barry will bring the ball out. Our transition, as they like to call it, in the game between defence through midfield into the final third is going to be a damn sight better than it's been in the past two games. I'm telling you now. We're going to move the ball. It's going to be moved quicker and forward. I would, I, I would absolutely start with David Fayou. I'd get, I'd, I'd say like playing it out from the back. Defence centre half split. Barry gets the ball. He either passes it himself or shifts it to Stones. Look at like I think about Bournemouth away. Stones out of defence, straight past halfway line to Dale Fayou. Dale Fayou into Rom. Three passes and you've scored a goal. We haven't seen that that quick pass. You know when Dale Fayou went through a spell of sticking himself in the touchline just past halfway and just one touch, looked up, bang. Rom's Rom's got a march on the defender, cut across the two of them into that near post. We were just like scoring for fun. But that tempo's gone out of the team, and I just I think maybe hope touch wood that it might come back with Barry Stone, Dale Fayo on side. Hopefully, anyway. Let's hope so because anything other than a, a really positive performance, certainly a defeat, doesn't bear thinking about. Um, we'll be podcasting obviously after the Watford game. Thanks for listening.